Hey, church friends, we would like to take a moment to thank you for listening to the show. We really do appreciate every single one of you. And really, if you have any questions, if you need prayer, if you just want to share your thoughts or what your favorite topic was that we covered, please, please feel free to email us at yourchurchfriends at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Chris will read that email and let me know what it says. <laughs> also, if you enjoyed the show, please do the following to help us out. Follow or subscribe to whichever podcasting platform you listen to, and then share it with your family, your friends, and the people who attend your church. And really, all this stuff is run by algorithms, so you doing those simple things really helps get the podcast into more ears. And remember, Your Church Friends Podcast is here to be a resource to you to help you understand God's Word in a more clear and personal way. All so that we can grow closer in our relationship with God. Don't forget to check out our website, yourchurchfriends.rocks. It currently takes you to all of our social media accounts and places where you can listen to each and every episode. Which Chris is finally forcing me to sit down and work on a lot of that stuff. So there's updates coming to the website, as well as a lot of other wonderful resources that we're working on together. The website is yourchurchfriends.rocks because, wait, what was it again? Oh, that was a long time ago. Oh, that's right, because we rocks. Lost deep in the pages of your Bible are the books that are unmentioned, unheard of, and unread. They are the forgotten books of the Bible. Welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Mirdlich. So the last episode went a little longer than we thought as we were talking, and uh, we decided that we're going to just split the episode into two parts again, uh, just so that way you're not sitting there listening to us talk for like an hour and 30 minutes. I keep saying that people can just pause the episode, but two is better. Yeah, two helps. Yeah. So uh, we're going to pick up the conversation right where we left off from the last episode, so enjoy. Right, so that's what I'm saying. We can look around us and be like, we need more true worship. Mm-hmm. That that's what will fix this thing. And that's where, to bring it around to, when we look, again, pastoral point, when you're looking at your life and if things, like honestly, in my life, my, my uh, default in my mind a lot of time is I'm right. I'm doing the right thing. I know the best thing. At least I'm trying to go in that direction. Even when I fail, I've, I can both beat myself up and be like, no, I'm heading in the right direction, which is a weird like cognitive dissonance. but. When it comes to God saying, hey, I'm doing these things and still you didn't like still you didn't turn to me, still you didn't turn to me. It's like I, I talked on a national level, but for each of us to look and be like, am I experiencing things that I would want to go? Well, where is God in all of this? Where is the goodness of God in all of this? And it's like, is perhaps he letting these things in to get my attention so that I would ask, well, where is God ah, so that I point. would go yeah. and find him at the right place? Right. Because in my default is like, no, I know enough to keep going day by day. But honestly, we should be growing and progressing and, you know, all of those things and being transformed more and more to where we can more just like, well, where is God? How could he allow this to happen and everything else? And he's like, do you see why I'm allowing it to happen? Because in any circumstance and situation, we get scriptures like, well, the God of all peace, you know, can yeah. every he'll provide you that will surpass your understanding and all these things. You can have that and it's not dependent on circumstance. So it's not like, well, we need him to change that in order for me to have that. It's like, if you're going through a hard time and you don't have the peace and the presence of God, it's like, maybe he's getting your attention. I love that uh, so much. 
because yeah, all those things that we I read earlier, the list of it is mm-hmm. it usually when people go through those things, it's where are you, God? And he's like, yeah, that's the question I want you to ask. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm trying to get. We were watching uh, for Kingdom Men, uh, the men's group at our church, uh, facing giants. Facing the giants. Yeah. yeah, I've never seen it before, so it was a fascinating thing. I, I tend to stay away from the Christian movies because they could be cheesy. They have gotten better though, and, and I, I think that the Chosen is really kind of pushing a lot of them too. To yeah, like, hey, to you, you, you got to step up do, your game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and what naturally comes to me when I sit in a cheesy movie, and I'm not a good person to go to movies anyways with because I talk a lot. Uh, I just talk even way more. But uh, the, don't open the door. Yeah, don't open the yeah, door. Don't go in there. <laughs> I'm that dude. I totally have. People will not sit next to me if we're going to see a scary movie because I'm like just so animated. A quick segue, <laughs> like. We got it from Delilah, but like watching a movie because when she was younger, she would ask the questions about stuff, Mm -hmm. but like she would just want to know stuff. And like the answer that she always got was like, they haven't said yet. Like like you're trying to guess it. Just watch the movie. (laughs) But what are they going to do? It's like, just watch. You'll find out like you didn't miss anything. Like that's just how the the plot progresses. So we're always watching like they haven't said yet. Like they haven't said it yet. They haven't said it yet. So facing giants, uh, where the guys like his football teams are losing and they're losers. Uh, He got like his... uh, Secondhand man of the coach is talking behind his back. They're threatening that he'll lose his job. He finds out that um, he can't have babies with his wife and it's, it's him. And then like he's just like every, the weight of the world's crashing him. He's facing giants. Um, and For those that couldn't see, there was air quotes. Air quotes, yeah. <laughs> and so then like at the crux of all this, the, like, the weight bearing down, he said that. Where are you, God? And then you know he couldn't sleep. He was tossing and turning. And his wife finds him reading his Bible in the morning, and it changed his whole perspective. And I didn't get to watch the rest of the movie because I had to leave, but it changed his whole directive from the points I saw. Well, at least she made it to the turning point. Yeah, I was like, hey, there's a good point here. Uh, And it changed everything, and all of a sudden how he was teaching his players and how he was interacting people changed. But it's that important thing, right? You have not yet returned. I'm trying to get your attention. You haven't turned. And to mistake and think that, all of this was just because they were going to a different place and worshiping other gods and this and that. Amos is making the serious point that it's not. That is, uh, leads to them treating others like crap, mm-hmm. really. Uh, just a few things that they, they did. Uh, so for the three sins of Israel, even the four, I will not relent. They sell innocent for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They trample on the heads of the poor as on the dust of the ground and deny justice to the oppressed. Fathers and sons use the same girl and so profane my holy name. They lie down besides every altar on garments and taking pledges. And in their house, uh, in the house of their God, they drink wine and take fines. And, and, and I like that because it was like, uh, let me pull it up real quick. While you're pulling it up, I just wanted to say that's what I was trying to talk about. When like, I don't think that America is Israel. And I'm not trying to make anything that got prophesied to Israel be prophesied to America. but all of those things that you just listed off happen in this country and not in the secret places. Mm-hmm. It's becoming more and more common. All of those things, like, is it to the extent that Israel was doing at that time? I don't know how bad Israel got, but the fact that I know that those things are named in public and increasingly so across this nation, that's what peaks like, my ear. I'm like, oh, are we paying attention here? Right. But did you find what you were... I did. Uh, I found the finds. When you were reading it and as I was following along... Uh... You know how like on the Bible app, it has three little dots. Mm-hmm. So I clicked on it and it said, or they drink the wine of those who have been fined. So they're taking like, it's not that they're just drinking wine. They're drinking the wine that they stole. Um, 
Oh, you mean these like 40 to 60% taxes that we all have? Yeah, right. Uh, Whatever, give to Caesar what Caesar's. There are those who turn justice into bitterness and cast righteousness to the ground with blind... Uh, with a blinding flash, he destroys the strongholds and brings the fortified cities to ruins. There are those who hate the one who uphold justice in the court and detest the ones who tell the truth. You levy the straw, a straw tax on the poor and impose a tax on their grain, like you just said. Therefore, uh, though you have built stones, mansions, you will not live in them. And then it continues on. And then the other one is, uh, like we talked about earlier, they live in the beds and all this other stuff. And there's just greed, oppression, and there's no justice in the land whatsoever. So it's not like God's justice comes just because improper worship. The improper worship led to improper treating of other people. They didn't grasp the connection between religion and justice. And in that point, when you talked about like, hey, you built all these things, but you're not going to be able to live in them and whatnot. It's repeated throughout Proverbs and Psalms and all over the place that, hey, don't focus on what the wicked have and whatever's happening, like judgment will come upon them. And obviously they had the riches and whatever to build these houses. And you got a picture if you're one of the poor and you're seeing these mansions go up and all the stuff and all the niceties and all the everything, you're like, how long are they going to get away? Like, what's going on? And it's like, no, they don't get to live in it. But up until that point, it looks like, well, this is just going to keep going. But mm-hmm. there is the time when judgment comes. And it's like, nope, it's it's not. Um, how are we on time? We're good. Can I bounce over to something else? Uh, Yeah. All right. I might bounce us back. Cool. Uh, We do have nine chapters. And I don't know if we'll turn this into a two-part. But one just verse that I really like that I can't go through this without highlighting for a second is Amos 3.3, 3, which is, can two walk together without agreeing on where to go? And for me, that is just such like a truth principle in life to bring out like, hey, who are you partnering up with and what direction are you going in with that person? And that's really a thing when it comes to in the New Testament when it talks about, hey, what does darkness and light have in common? Don't be unequally yoked because there can be a lot of agreements on things or like, hey, maybe we both are interested in this thing or to do a thing. But ultimately, when you're looking at where to go, like at some point. If you have faith in God and somebody else doesn't, but you're, you're not going in the same direction. And beyond that point of just people, right, agreeing, like, are you truly walking together? So when we look at fellowship and being, you know, in a church or any of the things, it's like, hey, we're all here, but are we truly in agreement with where we're going? So mm-hmm. again, it's just this life principle that follows. But most importantly, I bring it to your relationship with God because we're called to walk in the spirit. We're called to walk with God daily. And if you haven't come to an agreement on where you're going, how are you, can you say that you're walking with him? And it doesn't need to be like where I'm going, like, oh, well, what job am I supposed to have? Or what this or what that or all the questions that can come up with the sometimes very nebulous, what's God's will for my life, right? It's like God's will for your life is that you would submit to Christ and follow his teachings that no matter where you are, it's about who you are, where you are, right? In those kinds of things. But if you haven't come to agree on who God is and who you are in light of that and how life comes from that place, then how can you say that you're walking with God? So again, just this life principle that comes from that verse that I've, it really came in early on when I returned back to the church and came I came across this one. It was really something that I meditated on quite a while. And just over the years, I've found uh, it just would be so true in so many different aspects of life. So 
I really like that verse. I don't know if you have any thoughts on it or anything that I said. Or... No, I, I really did enjoy that. I think it's such an important part too. The reminder that the way God designed this thing wasn't to be alone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was community. Mm-hmm. But what I really loved is when you pulled it into the walk with the Spirit. Yep. That if we're not walking in alignment with the Spirit, where are we headed? Clearly, Amos's point was destruction. You know, it, it clearly says that. And I think in order for us to impose some of these things that, uh, you know, the two major themes of worship and justice is that we have to be in alignment with the Spirit for those to happen properly. Mm-hmm. And when we fall out of alignment with the Spirit, then we're not doing it right. We're not doing it the way God wants us to. Yeah, so when you're having worship, and we, we touched on it last time, but you have the woman at the well in Samaria, mm-hmm. and she's trying to ask Jesus, well, where are we supposed to actually worship? And it's coming a time, true believers, like, they're going to worship in spirit and truth. So it's like, it doesn't matter where you are, but that comes down to that, are you seeking me type yeah. thing, right? Are you walking with me? Are you doing this thing in in a spirit and in truth? Mm-hmm. So it's not about the location of the temple when you're saying, well, where does God want me to go? To Jerusalem? And he's like, once you go to him. Like, that's one of the great access points that we have now is like, wherever you are, no matter what you've gone through, is like, he just wants you to come to him. I, I think in whole uh, that when we look at it, when Amos uh, questions the religious worldviews, uh, he's questioning their perception of God and their perception of others. And I think that's the challenge here, right, is what is your perception of God and what, how is it that you treat others? Uh, unfortunately, during Amos's time, uh, the message wasn't well received and uh, honestly it's not really received well today either. Um, I read this. I thought this was super cool that the first person to take Amos's social uh, ethical message seriously was a Dominican uh, friar and totally going to mess up his name. Maybe I'll just leave it at that. He was a Dominican friar, uh, but it was... Say the name just for me so that I can maybe... <laughs> laugh at me. Uh, Gerolamo Savonarola. Doesn't sound familiar to me. Yeah. Anyways, uh, maybe if you said it right, uh, it's maybe if I said his name properly. Yeah. Uh, during Lent in Florence, Italy in 1946, he preached a series of hard-hitting sermons on Amos and Zechariah against what he felt were the political and religious sins of the city-state. The sermon led to his imprisonment and eventually his execution in 1948. So when I'm talking about like, this is something that people are catching from Amos, that it's mm-hmm. important, but it's not well-received because oppression and holding people down and and being and greed is such a prevalent issue, not just for today, but yesterday and the future. It's it's always there. Yeah, I think uh, I know it's not well received. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. Uh, I, I I never caught this, or I never knew this was there too. That uh, Martin Luther King Jr. speech. Mm-hmm. I have a dream. Uh, he actually quotes Amos 5.24 when he says, let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that is. So, again, in this, this uh, amazing speech about uh, oppression and people being held down, not giving their rights of just being a person, uh, take away the idea of godly and ungodly, just people, right? Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. says, like, this is the thing, that justice needs to roll like a river, righteousness like a never-filling stream, because that is, or because that is our job as God's people. Uh, justice should roll out of us, and righteousness should flow from us. So if you're looking for justice, uh, I promise you true justice will never be found in the politics, in policy, or government. No, true justice will come from God's people living godly lives and truly living out worship unto God. Uh, 
Uh, it comes from living it out individually and it's spreading out from us. The warning for us uh, as we read this and we look at this book is that uh, God's nation found themselves uh, in a comfortable place and instead of going to God became complacent. Like we said, having the winter homes and all that other stuff. So they became complacent. Uh, they were oblivious to the needy or they oppressed the needy, whichever, it's still bad. And they worshiped God on their own terms. And some 40 years later, they found themselves in captivity by the Assyrians. Uh, they will no longer hear for God. But like Amos said, it would be too late. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send out a famine, but it won't be a famine of food or water, yeah. but a famine of hearing my word. People will stagger from sea and wander from the north to the east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will never find it. Um, and this all starts at Bethel and Dan when a king made a decree out of fear. The king changed culture and redefined it for people. Uh, I, I read this and I thought this was super cool. It said, I understand culture to be those webs of significance that define and shape meaning for a people. Shared values, common traditions, accepted social structures that provide worth and stability, rites of passage, communal celebration, and the like all work together to create a world where a certain view of life, attitudes, behavioral patterns, and social roles. This matrix offers an explanation of the why things are and why they are the way they are. In other words, reality is in part social constructs where what is seems natural and obvious. And so by this king, uh, the nations worshipped and the treatment of others changed something completely opposite of what God designed. Because of what Jeroboam the first did, it, it changed everything. And now the truth is that this happens to nations, like the judgment is going to happen to nations. And this all does happen in nations that we were talking about, right? Like the social injustice, but it also happens in the church too. And I think it's very simple and easy to say that this is how we do church or how the church should look like. And we create this cultural change inside of this community. And over the course of time, it doesn't look like what God had originally designed at all. And just like God's grace of, of judgment hit Israel and eventually hit Judah, it also will eventually hit the church. Don't be fooled that it will be persecution. It, it, sometimes it's judgment and mm. we can confuse the two, uh, that our worship isn't proper and how we treat each other. And the stark warning is there that a society or a culture was created and what these behaviors and norms were, they were just accepted. And like I said earlier, if we're looking for culture to change through government, politics, or anything like that, we've missed it. Hey, we want the world to create a new culture within the world. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, 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 that your kingdom come. Right, that's the only solution that we're truly given to change the thing is that God's kingdom would come. Like, hey, politics needs to change and just have it change. It's like, well, where is the inspiration coming from? Like, what is it changing into? But man, that point that you just said about thinking that it's going to come as persecution, but that it could be judgment, and that we often confuse the two. Because mm -hmm. again, going back to, no, 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 I'm doing what's right, and everybody else would get judged. But because I'm doing what's right, anything wrong in my life is because I'm doing what's good. So I'm getting persecuted because of it. And it's like, check yourself and see that yeah. you're really in the faith that that's what's true for you. And like, I have, I have to. I'm not I'm not pointing fingers like I'm it's a thing for me because when I read stories like this, it's like, oh, there's a lot of people who thought that they were in the right and had it in their own minds that that judgment wasn't coming for them. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not going to put myself above that. Like, nah. 
I know I'm good. Like, no, search my heart, God. Show me if there's anything within there that's against you and, like, help me. I don't want to, like, say that in the sense that there aren't Christians being persecuted. There oh, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no. uh, again, but, coming to that, like, day of the Lord type thing right. where, like, something's happening. You're like, no, what's going to come upon us? And it's just like... It's just crazy to me that uh, now, two years out of a pandemic, locked in, shelter type thing, mm-hmm. lockdown... Um, looking back at it in hindsight, how much people were saying the church was being persecuted in America because we couldn't come to a building or we had to wear a mask inside of a building. And they're like, you're taking my civil rights away. You're taking my this and that. And it's just crazy to me that maybe we didn't get it, that maybe we didn't understand, that maybe God was actually doing something through that moment that if we altered or changed what we were doing, it would have led to something better. When you just said that we couldn't go to the buildings anymore, I might be drawing a, a wrong parallel. And again, it doesn't apply across the board because I know that for us not to be able to come here and congregate, it's like, I love our church. Like we're spirit led and there's different things we can all grow. But you know, I'm not like, oh man, yes, mm-hmm. we were shut down because of judgment coming upon us. I also yeah. don't think we were shut down because of persecution coming upon us. But when you were talking about like, yeah, those things got shut down during that time. I just thought of going back to five five. Do not seek Bethel or go to Gilgal. Do not return it to Beersheba. <laughs> it's like, God shut those places down. Maybe it's like, a, hey, pay attention. You're all trying yeah. to go to your buildings. Where am I? Exactly. Where yeah. am I? Yeah. So, so like I said, it's a stark warning. Uh, but what I love about Amos is that it's just like he beats you down with this dark gloominess. But at the end, there's hope. Before we get to the end point, because I've only got one other thing, and then basically okay. ending at the end of nine is where it ends, right? Because finally we can get to that small paragraph. And you know what? Even though, like we, uh, uh, like you said, it could have been a two-parter. There's a lot in Amos. Yeah. I mean, I could have individually broken down each section. Yeah, yeah. Each of those. Well, what was going on in those countries, and right. why would that be? And all of the stuff is like, yeah. There's there's a whole lot to tear apart. But the two things bringing to the hope is that in chapter seven. When it says, this is what the Lord God showed me. He was preparing swarms of locusts just after the king's harvest as the late spring crop was coming up. And when the locusts had eaten every green plant in the land, I said, Lord God, please forgive. How will Jacob survive since he's so small? So the Lord relented from this plan. It will not happen, he said. And same thing happening again as far as judgment from fire and the fire was going to devour the land. And Amos said, Lord God, please stop. How will Jacob survive since he's so small? So the Lord relented from this plan and said, it will not happen either, said the Lord God. And for me, again, pastorally preaching mode type of thing, for those who are really seeking after God and, you know, maybe seeing things that are down the pike like Amos does, or maybe if you're not even seeing the things, but you're hearing some of these messages and just something about about conviction is that prayer is real power. Prayer Mm. is real relationship. Even when we get Elijah, when he prays, right? And it doesn't rain for those three, three and a half years. How long was it? Three years. Three years? Yeah. And then you get in James referencing that, saying, hey, the prayers of a righteous man avail much. Elijah was a man just like you or me. And Amos was a man just like you or me. And that when we can see something of judgment, maybe deserve judgment even, but to be able to look and be like, whoa, 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 God, please, 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 like, turn away from that. Like, that's too much. And for me, when I look at how the end times gets hyped up a lot now and people looking at, yeah, the day of the Lord, come quickly and all the stuff. And mm-hmm. I look at it from the point of view of like, I honestly don't want to be part of a generation to where faith was so low 
that God came to set th- for as much as I want Jesus to come and establish his kingdom and to have that. And like, ultimately that will be the end and the good thing. And whenever he decides to do it, that's good. I look at it from, I don't want to pull the plug on everyone who's here. I don't want to be part of like a church and a generation is like, yeah, nah, all of them just need to be judged. I was like, no, no, no. How about we go live this thing out and go forward with the gospel and trust that the gospel has the power to do whatever it is that we're thinking that Jesus needs to come down with his judgment to do. It's like he's already exacted judgment against the powers and the principalities and the evilness and the gates of hell aren't to prevail against the church. So that's the type of prayer that I see here is just like, yeah, honestly, is there judgment that should come down on my own life for things, you know, against like, the nations and, and all that. It's like, yeah, because there's wickedness. But to say, God, please just like give time. But I don't want to just be praying, hey, just don't do that because it's harsh. Mm-hmm. I want to be praying that along with send workers into the harvest. The harvest plentiful. Like we need people to go out into it. Like pour your spirit down, fill us up, like make that flame happen an all consuming flame on your people. Like, start it with us that we would be convicted and that we would start to worship you. And then we would go out to the world and invite them into the proper way of worshiping. So that's just like my heart really when I see him praying right here is like to be able to see that and be like, whoa, 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 God, like, that's a lot. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Relent from that. But I, I don't have the just like, oh, just relent for relent's sake. It's like relent for the sake of your namesake. But also tapping into what we know God's heart is, is that he wants people to turn to him. So I'm, I only want to ask for more time if we'll actually make use of that time. Also, there's a thing in there that you notice that he calls Israel Jacob. Yeah. And just within that one name change, because Jacob was a shysty guy. Mm-hmm. Jacob was the deceiver who he wrestled with God and then he got renamed Israel, one who wrestles with God. And like, that's what was going forward, right? But what a... What a interesting name that they would be called the Israelites, right? Yeah, like, those who wrestle with those God. Those who wrestle with God, it... it they always go back to Abraham as our father, but they weren't the Abranites, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's the Israelites because there's a history of it. And to see, though, that just by going Jacob, it's like, yeah, look at the Israelites. They've returned to being that shysty guy that's gone and they're the deceiver. And they're, they're walking in that way of how can I, how can I get mine? I'll mm-hmm. deceive my brother. I'll deceive my father. I want the blessing. I want the namesake. I want all the stuff, right? And it's just like, I don't know. It's just, that's just a... a a key thing to draw out yeah, of that it in really a single is word. Because it's the important part of why judgment came, why it happened was that there was no difference anymore between them and the other nations. Mm-hmm. And okay, let's bring this into today. Is there any difference between the church and a social club? Is there a difference between the church and people not in the church? And yes, there's like some great churches doing some great things. So we're not going to like throw the blanket over everything. This is Really, the questions come up to make us question and check ourselves. It's the same thing why the, all the books of the Bible are written. It's like, it's a mirror. Hold it up. Look at yourself. If you look good, exactly. move on and good. If you've got stuff messed up, change it, fix it, and, and move on. And if you're hearing us saying, wow, why would they be talking about the church in such a way and whatever because you're involved in something fantastic, mm-hmm. then be aware that there are people in places that is like, we would love to be where you're at, and we're striving towards that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the Vodibakum thing. It's like, you can't say amen, say ouch. Yeah. It's a, in nine, somewhere in, in nine, I can't remember where because I don't have it on there, but it talks about uh, how there were still some mm-hmm. in Israel who weren't worshiping at Bethel or doing the wrong thing, mm-hmm. that there were still some who kept doing the right thing. Um, and that's where the, the hope is that like, yeah, in, in a world where we do, we see a lot of the wrong happening, uh, 
if you're doing the good, do the good and keep doing the good, keep being faithful to God. Because that's, again, if justice is to roll out like streams and rivers and flow from us and true worship is, to, is, is coming out of our lives, um, then it's, it will infect. And it's, it's, a, it's an individual-based thing. Uh, how can I roll out justice when the machine behind me is oppressive? Well, maybe I'm just kind to the person who did something wrong to me. How can I be righteous? I don't seek revenge. I just let God do what he's going to do. Um, it, it comes down to an indiv- individual stance and in how we act. And then it goes into the body. How is the church then acting? Are we then uh, screaming at the top of our lungs at people who have abortions? Are we making a hard stance on political things that have nothing to do with our Bible or what Scripture says, but we're just seeking something else instead of God? Um, it's what you're worshiping. But the beauty of all of it is that there's hope. Yeah, which comes down to, again, that little few verses at the end of 9. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, the sower of seed. The mountains will drip with sweet wine with which all the hills will flow. I will restore my people Israel from captivity. They will rebuild and inhabit the ruined cities. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will firmly plant them in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. And looking at that, it's like, man, God's making a promise, but he's also saying judgment is going to come. And if judgment is the pathway to this, in the serenity prayer, it says something along the lines of that we should accept the hardships in life as the pathway, just like Jesus did. As like for when I kind of bring this into a more spiritual point when I look at like, yeah, there are parts of my life that need to be judged, cities that need to be destroyed, parts of me that need to die off as I've known them when they were under the control of the flesh, when they were under the control of disobedience. And it's just like, I need to go through a purging of sorts to get rid of those things. But with the promise that like, hey, if you'll die to yourself in that way, the promise is that you will live for me, that my life will come in and my life will inhabit those desolate places. Right, the things that I thought had life, but that really didn't. The thoughts that I, the parts that I thought had worship, but were really worshiping other things and worshiping myself. Is like, if death can come to those places, and then God says at the end of that process, I'll bring life into those places, and you can live from there, and it will be the proper thing. He's talking about that the hills will flow. Right, going back to what you were talking about, just like yeah, flowing out of you. So that's kind of like there's there's more to have, but. Yeah, I I like that you brought it up and we took it there um, because to me, it's like if we truly repent, there's forgiveness mm-hmm. and with forgiveness, there's reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And this is what Amos's cry is. Like, I, I firmly believe even though it's like judgment is coming, Amos going out there was another, but you haven't yet mm-hmm. for them. It was grace. One more opportunity. One more prophet. They're not going to listen to him. Maybe some will. And for the some, when everything comes, I can distinguish between you and them. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but if we truly repent, and then if we bring it into ourselves today, what God is always going to ask us is that we look at this word and we look at it as a mirror, and we say, where am I at fault? Where do I need correction? Spirit, do your thing. Um, and I'm sorry for it. And if we truly repent, there's forgiveness, and we have reconciliation. And then, uh, you know, it's I will not uproot them from the land I've given them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the blessing of reconciliation. So. Um, yeah. 
I don't know if it's getting picked up on the end of this. A band practice just started <laughs> right next to us, so that can be maybe our outro music. But one question, and I don't know if you brought it up or I brought it up, but I just, coming from this, that I didn't have before our conversation, but to really look at life and hear God saying, where am I? Mm-hmm. Seek me. And to really take that anew in my life and be like, where is God? Yeah. Like, I don't want to make the assumption that where I'm at with, you know, not that we should doubt ourselves into like, you know, all the stuff, but just really making sure like, no, 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 I, I see where God is and I'm, I'm moving in agreement with him and we can walk together. Is God in this with me? Mm-hmm. Or am I in this with God? That's probably <laughs> yeah. the better way to say yeah, it, right? Yeah. Like, am I moving in with God and allowing him to do all the things he needs to do in my life? And then through that, constantly seeking. Because the seeking doesn't end when it's, you know, when you're like, oh, there's God. Then it's the seeking to know God, to know the creator. I think that's why those doxologies are just splattered throughout Amos. It's because it's like judgment, judgment, wrath, wrath. Here's God. Here's God. Know God. Um, And then I think it's important for us to always constantly dig deeper because I don't feel like we ever truly know God enough. This really is my last thing. But you said, like, we need to keep seeking. I was like... But why? Like, we know a level of truth and we have it. For me, it's, do I know where I'm trying to go? Yes, I'm trying to get to God. Do I know somewhat the general direction of which to go? Yes. Like, But do I know the directions? No. And it's like, nowadays, I go so many places that I don't know how to get there. And I just go, I have my phone. Mm -hmm. It will take me there. But guess what? I need to always look at it or listen to it and make sure I follow it. And if I don't follow it, I need to be aware of like, well, I need to get back to the path that it's trying to take me on very quickly. And it's just like, I don't know what tomorrow holds. So it's like, why keep seeking? Like, what is the, like, you need to keep seeking every single day. Because, like, there could be a turn that I need to take today. And yeah. I need to know that I need to take that turn today. Because I don't want to waste time going past it. Or maybe, like, I'm going to end up in a traffic jam. Like you said, maybe he's trying to avoid the worst thing, even though it could look bad now. Yeah. Eh, all that stuff. So keep seeking. Yeah. Keep listening. All right. I'm Chris. I'm Yurda. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening. Nahum, Obadiah, Jude, Philemon, Haggai, Amen.